Therapy Chat Podcast, episode 159. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. My guest today is Deb Dana, LCSW. She's a clinician and consultant specializing in helping people safely explore and resolve the consequences of trauma. She's the creator of the Rhythm of Regulation training series, and she teaches internationally on the ways polyvagal theory informs clinical interactions with trauma survivors. Deb is also the author of the new book, The Polyvagal Theory, in therapy, engaging the rhythm of regulation. Deb, thank you so much for being my guest on Therapy Chat today. Oh, it is a delight to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, that's so sweet. So, Deb, let's just start off by you telling our audience about yourself and your work. Sure. Um, well, as you said, I'm a, I'm a social worker, and so I came into this work um, being pulled to work with trauma survivors um, and have spent my career really specializing in working um, with trauma. Always been sort of a neuroscience nerd and really thought that every person in the world, our clients, ourselves, really need to understand the basic functions of the brain systems and the body systems. And I was pretty good with the brain systems, really used Dan Siegel's hand model of the brain and understanding the, the three parts of the brain and how they work. And then I read Steve Fordis's book, The Polyvagal Theory, and it's as if a light bulb went off for me and it was, oh, this is what I've been missing. This is how the body system works. And from there, um, I have been you know, what I call myself a passionate polyvagalist. So um, I have just dived into um, understanding polyvagal theory. And then as I understood it and wanted to bring it alive for my clients, I was talking with colleagues and they would say, I, I get your passion and I understand a little bit about what you're saying, but not a lot. So can you translate it for me? And uh, that then became my you know, my mission was to translate polyvagal theory into um, easily understandable language 
and clinical applications that that work really for for any therapist because what I've created and what polyvagal theory brings is not a a um, therapy model. It's not a model of practice. It really is a, a platform that sits underneath all the other models of therapy that that we are trained in and just really helps explain why those models work and helps clients and clinicians, helps everybody understand kind of the path that their nervous system is taking them in throughout the day. So it's kind of my my mission now is to help as many people understand that process that takes us into connection and out of connection and how our nervous system is shaped and then how we might actively reshape that system so we can all feel more of that health growth and restoration that that comes from a regulated nervous system. You know, resilience is is sort of the, the big word in today's therapy world. And for me, resilience comes from a regulated nervous system. That is such a great point. I'm really glad you brought that up because it's a pet peeve for me when people say, so what makes some people more resilient than others? As if some people just have something that other people don't have. And it's more like people who got something that other people didn't get. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because the nervous system, as we know, is, is a system of relationship. So it is it is toned through our experiences. And because of that, we understand that it's being toned ongoing with our experiences. So yes, our early experience shaped our system and our ongoing experiences reshape our system. So that's that's the hope I think that comes with understanding how the nervous system works, that, that yes, it can be reshaped. Yes, exactly. And that is hopeful because, you know, we, we used to think that, you know, it's kind of like, oh, well. Right. Right. Yeah. When we discovered neuroplasticity, weren't we all just so excited to think, wow, the brain is rewiring. It's not set in stone and it's always rewiring. And I think Steve, poor just Steve's work with polyvagal has really, helped us understand that about the nervous system, that it is constantly being shaped. So our interactions are either um, bringing more regulation and allowing new possibilities to come in or are, you know, just keeping the old pattern alive. So that's what we're really paying attention to, both in our work as therapists. It's our responsibility to be a regulated and regulating other for our clients to bring that regulated presence to our work. But, you know, also, you know, in, in the world we live in today, which, which is, you know, sort of a dysregulating world for so many people. I think we also take on that responsibility to be a regulated and regulating presence for other people in our life. So the only way we can do that is by understanding how our nervous system has been shaped and how we can engage it and bring it into regulation and keep regulation as long as we can. That's beautiful. And I want to ask you, because I sort of get what you meant, but I want to be sure that everyone who's listening gets it as well. When you said tone, can you can you kind of explain what you mean by tone of our nervous system? Sure, sure. Yeah, so, you know, maybe if I... Um, start with just the the basic three organizing principles of polyvagal theory. 
And those three organizing principles are neuroception, hierarchy, and co-regulation. And so once we understand the ins and outs of those, we can understand how to shape our system. So, you know, our, our autonomic tone comes from um, where from from all of those put together. So if we start with neuroception, neuroception is the way every nervous system is listening inside the body, outside in the environment, and in the relationship with another nervous system. So, you know, we think about inside, outside, between. So neuroception is always looking in those three places. And neuroception is this detection without conscious awareness. Some, you know, you might think about, you know, the ways you, you might have some an intuitive feeling, you know, that is likely neuroception at work because the nervous system is below the level of the brain. So below cortical awareness and Steve understanding this thought, I have to create a new word because perception involves the thinking parts of our brain. Whereas the nervous system is working below that. So he came up with the word neuroception, which I think is a great, great word for understanding how this internal surveillance system that we carry around with us is really looking for cues of safety and danger all the time. Yeah, I just want to punctuate that by saying I think I understand that that is like what we call the felt sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. You know, to, to really make sure that we're understanding that it's those three places that neuroception, that the nervous system is constantly monitoring your, your sense of your internal organs, your viscera, what's going on inside your body. And then the cues from the concrete environment around you. So in the room, in the, in the weather, in, in the world, those cues in the environment. And then what the nervous system is is feeling is coming from another nervous system. So that in that way, the felt sense that incorporates those three aspects is neuroception, absolutely. And we don't we respond to what happens with neuroception, right? What neuroception is happening all the time in the background, and then we feel something in response to that neuroception, and so we're we're not sometimes not aware of what triggered it, but mm -hmm. we're aware of the physiological response we have. And from there, I think the other thing I really want us to remember is that from that physiological state, from the autonomic state, that information gets fed up to our brain and the brain tries to make sense of it by making a story. Yes. So although we think our, you know, our stories are, you know, in fact, in a reality and running our lives, what's happening is the story is being created out of your body state, which could lead us right into this hierarchy because that's the different states are where the different stories are created. So the nervous system was created, you know, evolutionarily in three stages. The very first stage was part of the parasympathetic nervous system that's called the dorsal vagus. And the dorsal vagus was the state that allowed early, early you know, ancestors in our phylogenetic history to survive by becoming invisible, becoming still, by that death feigning that you see um, animals do. If you think about a, a cat that's caught a mouse and the mouse you know, is, is limp and looks dead in its mouth. And so the cat lets it go. And what does the mouse do? It, it shakes it off and runs away, right? Yeah. 
that's the dorsal vagal response in animals and we carry it in our system and you know for for us it may be um, less intense it may be more of that sense of numbness or fogginess or i'm a bit invisible or i'm disconnected from the world around me that's the dorsal vagal immobilization survival response and that was the very first part of our nervous system you know i think if we look at a timeline it's about 500 million years ago so then built on top of that is the sympathetic nervous system that people are pretty familiar with which is that fight or flight response right that cortisol adrenaline floods our system and we either become actively aggressive and fight or we actively try to escape and avoid by flight and again there are various flavors of that right so so a fight might be a um, a verbal sparring or a sarcasm or a argument and a and a flight might be um you know just storming out of the room or leaving the meeting but that's that sympathetic nervous system energy it, sympathetic is a system of mobilization whereas dorsal vagal is a system of immobilization and then finally what makes we humans human is this mammalian system another part of parasympathetic but it's called the ventral vagus and this is our newest part of the autonomic nervous system and it's a system of connection right it it's communication and connection it's um all of our body systems are working well and the ventral vagus is um moving us toward experiences and people and we can be organized inside our own selves and then reach out into the world so when i talk about being a regulated and regulating presence for others clients or family or friends or people in the world it's the ventral vagal system that helps us do that so ventral vagus is a system of connection whereas sympathetic or dorsal are systems of protection wow so, yeah. yeah oh my gosh like i'm eating this up every word <laughs> So let's do the third organizing principle and then we can come back. So the third organizing principle is co-regulation. And what that tells us is that um, we come into the world with a need. It's, it's a, um, a biological imperative, we call it. We have a need to connect with another human or we don't survive, right? And so you, you can see that in, in little babies. They can't survive on their own. And, and the, you know, the horrible experiences in the Romanian orphanage have really showed us what happens when a child's concrete basic needs are met, but there is no human connection that happens. You know, yes. that we're not meant to live without other people in our life. And that wired for connection is part of the, the autonomic nervous system. You know, that's why I say that my nervous system you know, it's longing to be in connection with your nervous system right now. We're we're in this conversation and our nervous systems are reaching out for, for each other, which is a, you know, a, a kind of a nice metaphor to, to think about. But in fact, you know, is true that, that biologically my nervous system needs other people at least um, at least some of the time. And that co-regulation is, you know, what we bring to our relationship so that maybe I can you know, be in a regulated state and help you when you are in a state of protection. And then you can help me when I need. So there's this back and forth that that happens. And, you know, our society is so emphasizing of self-regulation, right, of independent regulation. And what we want to remember is that self-regulation is built on co-regulation, that we need to be able to co-regulate with another safe person first 
and then we learn to self-regulate. And I think we forget that nowadays when we want people to be independent and be able to regulate their own systems when, you know, probably for many of us, there's that missing experience of safe co-regulation or enough of those experiences that we're still really in need of that first. Yes, 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 yes. And, you know, the co-regulation is a requirement of life from birth. But it's not just for children. We, as adults, we all need connection to yeah. thrive. Yeah. Absolutely. The, the research on loneliness is, is pretty powerfully demonstrative of that. that um, and it's not loneliness per se. It's the, it's the perception of loneliness that drives the biological and psychological um, um, challenges. So when people have a perception that they are alone and lonely, um, they have difficult um, physical problems and our stories are ones that are um, limiting. So that, um, that piece, and then, you know, if we talk for a moment about social support and social connection, to really understand the difference between those, that social support is a necessary part of all of our lives. We need to have people that we can call on to help us with certain activities and actions and, and needs. But social support is not the same as social connection because social connection is really nervous system to nervous system and is that sense of safety and trust in in the relationship and in co-regulation. So, you know, we need both, right? But social support, not enough. We need social connection in our in our adult lives. Till till the moment we die, we need social connection. I I'm really grateful that you brought that up. And I would like if you could just explain a little bit more about what is the difference between social support and social connection. Because I I work with a lot of people who, you know, all of my clients have trauma and people often say, how do you have a relationship? Like how? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, And, you know, trauma impacts all of our systems, certainly. And if we think about the nervous system, trauma sort of makes the world an unpredictable place and that unpredictability then comes into our our nervous system and makes it difficult for this ventral vagal energy to to hold our system in in regulation Um, if we think about attachment styles to to bring that in you know the the anxious attachment style is you know is really again it's a nervous system that that can't settle into ventral vagal that that has that sympathetic mobilizing action that happens a lot and in service of safety and survival right and then the avoidant um, style probably has more of that dorsal vagal um, take a step back disconnect energy because you know the, the i can't trust the other people out here so i'm i'm more um, in a disconnect place so you know again to be able to to regulate our own nervous system is really, I think, part of our human um, basic human education, and we don't get taught that, right? Parents are the first ones to help kids regulate their nervous systems. Um, parents are, you know, their responsibility is to be you know, a regulated nervous system and help their kids find that and experience that in co-regulation. And for many of us that was a missing experience that did not happen 
or it didn't happen predictably and and um, often enough. And so our nervous systems, you know, sort of took in this this um, flavor of danger. I'm not sure, you know, mistrust. And then again, because state creates story, if we're in one of those, if we're, well, take sympathetic, if we're in a sympathetic, mobilized energy, then the story is going to be one that makes sense of that energy, right? Which could be, you know, the, I have to always be on guard because the world isn't safe, or I'm never going to find somebody so but I'm going to just keep trying as hard as I can and these these are the friends that sometimes you know we might experience as always wanting something right and we say well that's a nervous system that that is reaching out because it it didn't get enough of that but mm-hmm. then from a dorsal vagal state of invisible collapse shutdown immobilizing right a lack of energy in the system the story is going to be a very different one of, of hopelessness and despair and giving up, right? Because you don't have enough energy to run your system. So whereas sympathetic is an overload of energy, dorsal is an absence of energy. And it's in ventral that we have the regulated energy to manage the, the daily challenges that we all face. Wow, this is like, I mean, this is so interesting. I'm just mm. hanging on every word. Therapist, we've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use therapy notes. Therapy notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used therapy notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend Therapy Notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months. I want to just take a a second to read something that you have in the book that I think doesn't sum up what you just said, but it kind of like, it's an important point from that. And it's right in the introduction of the book. You write, trauma compromises our ability to engage with others by replacing patterns of connection with patterns of protection. And it says every response is an action in service of survival. Yes. Yes. And that, that really... You know, as we look at, at, at others in our world, whether we're, you know, therapists helping clients or looking at our family members or, you know, our neighbors, whoever we're looking at, we want to remember that however crazy the behavior looks, the nervous system is taking an action in service of survival, right? It, because the nervous system's job is to, in the moment, choose the action that the nervous system senses is going to help the system survive so that it can live another day. So yeah, we, you know, we think about, you know, think about our own, own lives, think about the, the actions we sometimes take that perhaps are not the most um, health giving actions, you know, whether it's the chocolate chip cookie or the double loaded pizza or you know, whatever. Alcohol. It is. 
Yeah, alcohol, um, shopping, you know, even even people who, you know, work all the time, you know, because th- these what I call dysregulated actions can look socially acceptable, right? But it's coming from a nervous system that is feeling unsafe. The only place we feel safe is when ventral vagal is is running the show, right? We feel unsafe in some way when sympathetic or dorsal has taken over. And so when we look at somebody who's behaving in, you know, one of those either too mobilized or immobilized states, the, the question becomes, what, what are the cues of danger that are happening right now for that, that person? And, you know, how can I bring some cues of safety? Yeah. And I think one of the hardest parts about that for all of us as humans and for therapists who are working with clients or people who are clients in therapy, who are thinking about, how this relates to them. It's you don't always know that you're feeling unsafe. It's especially if this is where you operate from. Yeah. Yeah. All the time. Right. And so, you know, in my, my work to sort of bring this into a a way that, that people could begin to, to know their nervous system. I think the foundational um, skill is what I called notice and name, you know, notice, where your nervous system is, what state are you in right now, and name it, right? Because once you can notice and name and create a, a, a practice of really moment-to-moment knowing, where am I right now, what's my nervous system doing, and giving it a name, then you kind of have a, a, a map to guide you to, okay, what do I need to do to either have more of this because it's ventral vagal, you know, you know really a regulated good state, or how do I, you know, come back into ventral from sympathetic or dorsal? Because those really are, are, you know, the the basic choices we have. You know, so we're trying to to bring more ventral into the system, have an anchor in ventral is the way I like to like to say it. Because we often have other flavors, you know, in the background as well. But with an anchor in ventral, I can feel safe and able to manage my world. So notice the name. So that's, you know, that's, that's where we, where we start. And that's one of the beautiful things about this book is that it has so many exercises and what you call maps for helping people name and Mm -hmm. understand what's going on. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I find I had great fun creating maps. The, the, the latter was the very first you know, map that I created because it's such a great metaphor for, you know, we, we move up and down a ladder, you know, rung to rung so we can feel our nervous system, you know, the, the nuance of shift that happens. And then all of a sudden there's a big shift. And so, you know, the ladder um, really for me represented that. And so that's where I started. And it's been been kind of fun to to create ladder maps with, I don't know, thousands of people now and, and, and see really no matter who who is creating their ladder map when we share the experiences in each of the states, there is a common denominator that runs through every map that, that I have listened to people um, share. You know, we, we are, we are very much alike in, in our, in the broad range of the responses we have. And, you know, those, the two sentences that I ask everybody to consider, you know, from each of the three states is, is the uh, sentence, the world is, and I am, because that gets to the heart of what your core beliefs are in each of those states. And then, you know, as we share those in, in large groups, you know, when I'm training 
people in polyvagal theory, we share the world as an I am. And you can feel people in the room just coming together around this shared experience of you know, either safety and ventral or, or the danger or even life threat that you feel in the two dysregulated states. So it's a, it's a really beautiful way of, of feeling common humanity with everyone else in the world. So, so yeah, the latter has been, um, you know, a really, a really uh, good map for people to, to start with. And then, you know, if you do a map and I do a map and we have our ladder map, so, you know, the question becomes, where are you? It's pretty easy to see where are you on, on the ladder. And then that gives us information, right? Yeah, it's really wonderful. And can you just go into a little more detail about like how that ladder works? I mean, you've kind of described some of it, but just to put the pieces together. Sure. Yes. So, so ventral vagal, that place of safety and social engagement and where everything is, is regulated in in the system is the top of the ladder. And people probably remember the song. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see all obstacles in my way. That that's what came to me when I was building this ladder. And that's the top of the ladder where we have, we can see options. We can, can look around and, and see our world in, in its large perspective. So that's the top of the ladder. And then when we start feeling um, a bit of anxiety or danger in some way, there's some cues in the either inside, outside, between. And remember, neuroception gives us some cues if something is not quite right. We get, begin to move down the ladder. And the middle of the ladder is that sympathetic state of fight flight. And as we move down the ladder, our um, focus becomes smaller. We can't see as far. We lose options, which is what happens when our nervous system takes us into one of these protective responses. Our, our stories become fixed and, our, and the ability to see different options goes away. So in sympathetic, in that middle part of the ladder, I sacrifice social engagement for survival. So I no longer care about the people around me, my, my focus, because my nervous system is saying, survive, survive, survive. So that's the middle part of the ladder. And the hope is that we do something there that helps us climb back to the top of the ladder and back to ventral vagal. And that really happens for many of us many, many times a day. There's that quick dip into sympathetic and back. However, if we can't resolve the challenge by a mobilized action, then we fall down to the bottom of the ladder. Right, And the bottom of the ladder is that dorsal vagal place of collapse, despair, immobilization, numbness, where the, you know, the, the feeling is um, I'm alone and no one's ever going to find me here. That's, that's the experience of an autonomic nervous system that's gone into this dorsal vagal state. And if we, you know, I think in the book I have an image, um, you know, if we're at the bottom of the ladder, you know, looking up to the top, it feels unreachable. It is so far away. And what I like about the latter is that it really is true to this evolution of our nervous system and shows us that from that state of immobilization, in order to get to the top of the ladder, we have to climb through sympathetic. So we have to have some mobilizing energy in our system to bring us back to ventral vagal. So it's, it's you know, you can really see the progression happening. You can, you can track it on the ladder. And I was teaching a, a group of uh, first responders and and their comment was you know even at the bottom of the ladder I like knowing that I'm still on the ladder right and I thought oh that's a nice thing to remember that even in dorsal vagal collapse 
your nervous system is still functioning, right? It's taken you into a survival response, but you're still on the ladder. And my belief is that the nervous system has an inherent knowing about how to navigate up and down the ladder. And so part of our work is, is to remove the, the barriers to coming back up the ladder and to really bring in the resources that help us come back to that state that the nervous system, I think, feels it's, is its preferred state in ventral vagal at the top of the ladder. That's, that's a wonderful metaphor. And I love, you know, looking at the book and just being able to see, it says ventral vagal, which is the top, it says safe, social. And then in the middle, it says sympathetic, mobilized, fight or flight. And then dorsal vagal says immobilized, collapsed. It's so clear. And, you know, certainly I can relate myself, you know, moments of feeling. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that the important thing for all of us to remember is that that's normal, right? That none of us are going to be in ventral and stay there. That's not the human condition. We are going to move up and down this ladder many times a day in, in, you know, hopefully nuanced forms, but sometimes in extreme forms. And the difference between a, a system that is still holding the unresolved um, sequela of trauma and a system that has, you know, sort of digested that trauma is when it gets pulled into a protective response, it gets stuck there, right? So the only difference is that that some people have not yet brought back the flexibility to their nervous system. You know, I think I also said in the book that my favorite word is yet, you know, that, that they can't bring the flexibility back to return to ventral yet, right? Yes. But, but they will. They will. That's the only difference in systems is, is the flexibility to come back to regulation when you get pulled into sympathetic or dorsal there, right? Because that's, that's, we all are going to get pulled out of ventral into sympathetic or dorsal. And whether we can get back or not really determines, you know, how flexible we feel and how, what our story is, right? My story when I get pulled out and come, come back to ventral is, wow, that, that was a, a difficult time. And I'm going to work now to figure out what I can do. Right. But if I get pulled into dorsal and stuck there, my story is this is a difficult time and it's never going to end. Right. Yeah. So it's a very different story because of the state. And in that state, it really feels like it's not going to end. But when you can experience coming out of it mm-hmm. and feel that yesterday right. I felt like this and today I feel really good, actually. Yes. And those, you know, I, I, I love those, you know, those moments. We have these micro moments of feeling ventral vagal good, right? I call them glimmers, you know, and so we're always looking for those glimmers. Where are those micro moments when things felt, oh, okay, right? Because if we can notice those, then we have, you know, a, a, a larger picture of our autonomic day, Right. It's easy to reach the end of the day and say, wow, this was a a day of, of, you know, dorsal vagal collapse all day. But if I really reflect on it, I had these moments that were different. Right. And that's, again, this process of notice and name that that helps us feel our lives differently, which I think is is really important for for all of us and especially for a trauma survivor who who can so easily get stuck in a disruption 
regulated state. Again, the adaptive survival response, it makes perfect sense that their nervous system is going to take them there and keep them there, right? Makes perfect sense. Exactly. Every action is Mm -hmm. an attempt at survival. You got it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And when we know that, you know, it, I find it delightful to work with couples and, and and have them, you know, one is dysregulated and the other one's making a story up about it. And when the story can be, huh, that my partner's nervous system has taken them out of ventral vagal so that they biologically cannot be here with me. Then, then it's a very different experience than saying, wow, you just don't want to be here and talk with me, right? It's, it's not that they don't want to. It's that biologically they are unavailable right now, right? And that's a huge shift in, in, in the story. Yes, I just think so much, you know, I don't do couples work, but I'm, I'm in a relationship and, exactly. you know, how two people with dysregulated nervous mm-hmm. systems, one withdraws and the other one's like, you always leave me. And, you know, yeah. and they're both reacting to, that trauma and both systems are trying to bring some um, co-regulation in and neither system is available to offer. Right. It's like, is there somebody with a secure (laughs) regulated system around that we can attach to? (laughs) Where's the dog? (laughs) Right. Exactly. The dog is absolutely a a good choice there. Cause yeah, no, I I tell people that I, that I train, I say, you know, the, the, the rule is there has to be at least one ventral vagal system in the room. And, you know, as a therapist, it better be yours. Right. But exactly, exactly. And with our families, again, if it can be ours, that's good. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Of course we're all striving for that, but you know, those moments can sneak up on you when suddenly it's like, Oh, yes. This again. I I had that moment in the kitchen the other day when it was just one too many demands. And I knew that I was, I could feel my system mobilizing and dysregulating. And I had enough reflection to be able to, to say to myself, you know, the ventral vagal train is leaving the station right now and I'm not on it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there it goes. And here I am. So yeah. And that's when we do the, the self-compassion, you know, we say, wow, this, this, yep, this happens. And I'm going to come back to ventral and then I'm going to figure out what kind of repair do I need to make with the people around me. Right. Yeah. I love that hopefulness of your message that it's just getting back there. It's not, you're not lost if, you know, you get out of regulation where you want to be ventral. Nope. Nope. Happens to all of us many times a day. And and again, why I created, you know, these multiple maps is because I think it's helpful to have a, have a guide, you know, have a map that shows me here are some of the pathways back. So, yeah. Uh, I'm so grateful for the work you're doing and that you've made this, written this book and that you're out training people to use this theory in their practice. I think it's amazing and it's been really, really enjoyable for me to talk with you. I feel like I wish we could do another talk because the length of a podcast episode is just, you know, not right. long enough for the depth of this information. And of course I knew it would be that way, but. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, it, it's been that this time has flown by and I, I agree with you. It's, you know, I, because it's my passion. I, I love to talk and I hope we've covered what 
what we what was good for people to get a get a flavor of you know how the nervous system really um is taking them through life and how they can engage directly with their nervous system to again coming back to tone to to tone it so that it brings more well-being into their daily lives I guess that's the last point for us to wrap up with since that's how we got into talking about the three principles was me asking you about tone. But I sense it's like toning a muscle or something. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, the, um, the, the way we learn, and Paul Gilbert, who wrote The Compassionate uh, Therapist, and I can't remember the name of what he wrote, but Paul Gilbert had this lovely way of talking about doing um, things, little things often. So I call it small and often, you know, that the way we learn is by doing small things over and over and over. So, you know, if we create some ways of shaping our system, if we, if we, you know, one of the ways I guess we could just end with this is um, nature is, is, has been shown to be pretty predictably activating of the ventral vagal system. Mm. Um, And so it could be that you create a very small practice about connecting with nature and then you know you do it you know several times a week and it just becomes part of what you do in that way you're beginning to shape your system differently because you're giving it these predictable repeatable moments of ventral vagal connection and i think why i pick nature is because so many of us don't have predictable people Mm -hmm. that we can count on but it's like, you know, the sun comes up or the stars come out or, you know, I live in Maine, so I live near the near the sea. So I can I can go by by the ocean and, and watch the waves. You know, I can stand in my driveway and see the stars in the morning. These are some ways that, that we can connect with nature and that sense of being connected um, to to the to the larger world. And if we do that over and over, our nervous system begins to really take in that that flavor of, of ventral. And then, you know, at some point we have enough ventral experiences that you know, we're more able to hold on to ventral when we're meeting a challenge in, in our day. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a beautiful resource that you're mm. suggesting because the outside is there for everyone, no matter who you are and where. There's a sky, there's sun, there's air. (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. The moon is always there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just thinking about how looking at the sky, you know, or being in the mountains or being in the woods or being at the beach, anything like that for me is I can't feel stressed Um, in that environment. I just can't. It's like not accessible. (laughs) And that's a good thing. That is a good thing, which which tells me that when you're in those environments, your ventral vagal has taken control. And so, you know, the emergent properties, what comes along with ventral vagal is a sense of, of being okay in the world, right? And so it's hard to feel uh, that level of distress um, or fear or anxiety, shame, whatever we feel when we're not in, in ventral. You can't do that when you're in ventral. You can have an anchor in ventral and you can be with those other experiences, but you don't get pulled into them. Oh, you've got me convinced. Mm, there. <laughs> one, oh, convert. one convert. One <laughs> convert. One more person in the polyvagal family, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 
Well, Deb, where can people find what you're doing and get your book? Probably my website is, is the easiest place. It's rhythmofregulation.com. And um, it has a link to to my book. You can also get it on, on Amazon and in some local bookstores. But the link's on my site. Wonderful. Well, thank you again so much for being my guest today on Therapy Chat. I can't wait for our audience to hear this and eat it all up. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Thanks so much for listening to my interview with Deb Dana. See how clear and understandable she made polyvagal theory? seem. Now, clearly we were not able to discuss everything that's in the book by any means, but I hope that you found that this demystified things a bit for you. It definitely did for me. And I consider the book to be a very valuable asset, something that I can use with clients. I love the latter analogy too. What did you think? Feel free to send me a message through SpeakPipe by going to therapychatpodcast.com and clicking on the SpeakPipe logo. I'd love to hear from you. And in case you missed it, Therapy Chat has been selected to participate in the beta launch of the new podcasts on Pandora. This means that when you're listening to Pandora, they can help you connect with podcasts based on your listening habits and what you like that will match up with your interests. And I'm really hopeful that this will allow Therapy Chat to be brought to a new group of people who wouldn't have found it before. Pandora has a huge reach, so I'm really honored that Therapy Chat was able to be a part of this. And you can check it out. As always, thanks so much for listening to Therapy Chat. Next week's episode is going to be a replay of my previous work with Kyle Davies in preparation for his new interview, which you'll be hearing the following week that we recorded live in DC, actually in Northern Virginia, a couple weeks ago. Was it last week? Yes, it was last week. <laughs> seems seems long ago. All right. Until next time, thanks for listening to Therapy Chat. Just another reminder that if you'd like to become a member of Therapy Chat, supporting the podcast while receiving fun member perks and being able to communicate with me one-on-one, go to patreon.com slash therapy chat. If every subscriber donated just $1 per month, Therapy Chat would be able to keep going strong indefinitely. 
Thanks so much for your support. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com.